You're listening to Outside the Chamber, and I'm your host, Eleanor Sturko, the member of BC's Legislative Assembly for Surrey South, here in beautiful Surrey, British Columbia. There are a ton of challenges we're facing in BC today, from the unbelievably high cost of living to the current healthcare crisis and beyond. British Columbians have a lot to talk about. That's why my team and I have decided to create a podcast that goes beyond the legislative chamber and has real discussions about the issues facing our province. All right, well, welcome to another episode of Outside the Chamber. Today, I'm lucky enough to have a very special guest, Surinder Bogle, who serves as the Chief Librarian at Surrey Libraries. Surrender is a lifelong supporter and appreciator of libraries. She gained her master's in library and information studies at the University College London, England, and her Bachelor of Science in Management from the University of Manchester. Very impressive. And hailing from both Tanzania and Kenya, Surrender was able to bring her global perspective here to Surrey, and her amazing resume led her to be appointed as Surrey's Chief Librarian in 2016, and now you're here in the studio. Thank you for having me. I'm very pumped, and you know, when I first talked to my team about inviting a Chief Librarian, they're like, what? Talk about what? You know, maybe people don't think necessarily libraries when they think about having an exciting discussion, but for me, I'm, I'm very sentimental about libraries, and I think for a lot of um, people, libraries have played a very important role in their life. So how did you ever get involved with libraries? Have you always been a bit of a big bookworm or, or what was driving you to study for this role that you're playing now? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I was always a reader growing up, and, um, but libraries were never a career I aspired to be in. I didn't think I was gonna be a librarian as, as you alluded to in my introduction I did um, a master's or a bachelor's in management studies so I thought I'd be in some corporate sector when I graduated in London England but uh, I graduated at a time of recession so I ended up working in um, a West London college library and it was meant to be a temporary stopgap temporary until I found that corporate job but oh my god I just loved the work I loved the um, the impact that I saw the librarians making with the students that were coming in, it was uh, not a very, um, it was an inner city college, so you know issues with some of the students that were coming in, literacy issues, and just to observe the librarians being able to connect these young kids to uh, resources, to be able to complete their assignments, I just thought, wow, I would love to do that, I'd love to spend my life um, in a library helping people and that's how I <laughs> changed careers oh, and ended awesome. up my masters and have never looked back since. And you are certainly doing that here in Surrey because we have um, thousands and thousands of people that visit Surrey's libraries uh, every year and you know like I said I'm a pretty big library fan myself. Uh, my family when I grew up we didn't have a lot of money um, and so kind of free entertainment, any puppet show or craft or anything that I was doing yeah. actually came through the public library system. No matter where I lived in Canada as a mm -hmm. kid, we always had that connection to the public library system. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about in Surrey what kind of things, um, you know, obviously people think, they always think about libraries, the first thing you think of is obviously going to be books. But Surrey libraries are a lot more than that. 
So how has libraries in Surrey, how has that kind of evolved over time to be what it is today? Yeah, you raise a good point. Libraries are so different from even when I you know, was using them as a child and even 30 years ago when I started my career in the library field, we've totally evolved. Certainly I'm speaking from the public library perspective. There's many different types, academic libraries, college libraries, but public libraries have are not just books anymore, as, as you mentioned. Um, Surrey libraries, for example, we have amazing spaces. We have 10 branches in Surrey and they are beautiful, welcoming, inclusive spaces for everyone. Um, you know, it's not just a place to come in and borrow an item and leave. Many people will come and spend a whole day in the branch, um, either studying or accessing some of the collections which by the way, as I mentioned, aren't just physical collections. We have so many online collections as well now. So if you wanted to learn a skill, like, like how to do a podcast, there's a LinkedIn um, a subscription that I we probably offer. Yeah. That earlier. <laughs> you probably don't. <laughs> yeah, we have, um, so it's the online resources. If you want to learn a new hobby, you can download, a, a, you know, a, an online resource that we call that we have called Creative Bug. Um, there are robots. You can borrow robots. We recently purchased a series of Dash robots to help families and children learn how to learn basic coding. Oh, so wow. STEM STEM skills. So we offer resources related to that. So it really is not just about the the books, there's a lot more. So um, there's the spaces, as I mentioned, the online collections, and then we also have the programs. You know, compared to the library I attended back when I was a child, there's hundreds of programs that public libraries offer. Again, ranging from learning basic skills. You know, we've mentioned Surrey being a very diverse community and with many newcomers who don't have access to libraries or concept of public libraries that are free, from the countries they come from and uh, so many come and use our resources for the free wi-fi the computer training that we offer um yeah, job search it breaks down mm -hmm. a lot of barriers uh, you know from my perspective and that's actually one of the things i wanted to expand on the conversation with you about because surrey actually we in our province um have welcomed more refugees than any other community in mm -hmm. british columbia we also have one of the highest um, immigrant populations who are coming from outside of Canada, from a variety of, of places. Mm -hmm. And I was really struck with um, the number of programs for newcomers. And I didn't realize actually the extent to which the library was involved in that. So can you tell me a little bit about some of the newcomer programs mm -hmm. that you guys are mm -hmm. offering? Yeah, certainly. We offer, well, in addition to the resources, because many newcomers will want to come and brush up their English as well, or even, I mean, I was a newcomer, and I, I came from a country that was English-speaking, yet still I found it a culture shock coming to Canada. When you're applying for a job, it's a very different process to what it was like in England. And so for, for many newcomers, it's being able to learn about the culture, and uh, we offer books and you know for example our highest circulating item in 2022 was actually an IELTS book which is a test a test that uh, people take to to um, get their standard for English for work here so, the, so that the was the most... highest one of the highest circulating wow. books in the city of Surrey in 2022 was an English language learning book 
That's so that, that shows to you how much demand there is still for the print resources, the books as well. But then in addition to that, it's difficult for newcomers to sometimes connect with others in their community. So what we offer, we're not offering academic programs, but it is basic English conversation in a safe space led by a facilitator. And uh, we offer, you know, we'll talk about topics that are Canadian topics, like Canadian holidays or, or food or going to the bank. And so these are held in a, in a safe, non-judgmental way with other newcomers. Um, so that's one program that we offer. I have to say we offer a, a lot of programs in partnership with the settlement service agencies. So our staff will sometimes go to um, a local settlement service agency and bring a story time for the young kids oh, there. Awesome. Um, sometimes, depending on the language skills of our staff as well, for example, we have an Arabic speaking um, a staff person who works specifically with the community in the north and uh, you know uses her language. Oh, recently we're offering a Spanish story time because we have quite a few folks um, in the north that are from Spanish-speaking countries. So, so yeah, we're trying to bridge the gap and sometimes it is offering programming in the native language to, to bridge that gap, right? Yeah. Uh, we've offered Punjabi computer training. Sometimes it depends on the skills that we have within our staff. I'd love it if we could cater to the hundred plus languages people speak in Surrey, but that's uh, not really But doable. still, yeah. I think, you know, considering um, the wide breadth of of services that you are providing, libraries actually receive not tremendous funding. Um, unfortunately, you know, we, we try to work on that. And, and from this office, we've certainly done some advocacy. And I know that um, the budget has somewhat been increased, but you know, we, we can always do more. But I've always been impressed, particularly in our community with the work that is being done. So with, you know, the, I guess, Things that are rapidly changing in our communities, including um, increasing homelessness, um, you know, stresses of um, the inflationary demands that people are facing. Talk to me about how important of a role you think that libraries play, particularly when you consider that they're among the last free spaces where people can go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think libraries have a crucial role to deal with some of the complexities that we are facing in our society today. Certainly we saw during the pandemic when our doors had to close, the impact that was felt by many members of our community. We were uh, having people who weren't even able to apply for benefits that they, you know, that the government was issuing at that time because they didn't have access to Wi-Fi. I mean, you, it's You expensive. think about that too, right? You think yeah. about how like for someone like me, I take my Wi-Fi for granted mm -hmm. because A, I can afford it at my home. It's provided to me through my work. Just to, by nature of the places that I visit, I often encounter free Wi-Fi in different public buildings or, or private buildings. But, you know, you really, it really hits you, especially when you start dissecting what a library in a community is and what kind of services you're providing, how, if these resources didn't exist, how it's going to impact people who don't have maybe the um, good fortune that I have in my life. So when you think about that, someone who couldn't apply for their benefit because they didn't mm -hmm. have Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi or access to a computer, right? Because some people will have a laptop at home, but then they don't have the, the, uh, the access to, or even someone helping them through a form. You know, we've talked about 
um, the skills um, that uh, our, our society is, is needing and a library helps with that and many folks don't know how to navigate the internet so a lot of the work that our staff do is training and helping people print resumes and download um, uh, information and so that was all difficult during the pandemic when we couldn't assist so yeah if a library didn't exist there'd be huge gaps in society another one we saw was that connection we find in some of our branches that there are daily visitors they will come to the library every day because the only connection they have with other people is our library staff or the other folks in the library so that social connection so we were finding that that we were phoning seniors at home oh, just wow. to check in on them because okay. for some of them that is sad yeah but beautiful mm -hmm. that you, mm -hmm. you know it's mm -hmm. it's a sad and beautiful reality um that really underpins the importance of having publicly open and accepting spaces you know that's um yeah it's emotional to think you know about um those kind of human connections mm -hmm. Um, and the importance of libraries. And I think, you know, and I want to get your thoughts on this, you know, literacy in general, whether we're talking about computer literacy or, you know, the ability to read a book, sign, job application, to navigate, you know, Canada and British Columbia, everything marches to the beat of paperwork. Yeah. You know, there's a form for everything. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, you know, this must be tremendously difficult for people who, whether you're a newcomer or not, um, when literacy skills um, are not strong. Uh -huh. What is your perspective on literacy in British Columbia? Where are we going in the right direction? Should we be trying to strengthen our skills? I think we should always be trying to strengthen our skills. You know, it's a, one of the reasons I've stayed in libraries is because I am a passionate lifelong learner and I think everyone needs to be. Society is changing rapidly and the way information is consumed is changing rapidly. And there's so much information out there. And um, so in terms of literacy, it is shocking that almost half of the population, adult population of BC, um, doesn't have the skills, the literacy skills, to be able to um, search online or to be able to read a prescription. It's, uh, there's you know, evidence, data that shows that. And uh, as adults, it is sometimes difficult to get that formal education or there's a shame or stigma attached to that. So I think a public library allows people to continue building their skills in a, in a freely accessible, inclusive, non-judgmental way. And then also with different learning styles. Because you know, one of the things we talked about is how we're not just books anymore. I, for example, have a hard time listening. I'm not a, you know, I don't know how I survived university because <laughs> I can't listen. I'm a visual learner. Yeah. So I like to see things on paper. I like to visualize, like I can watch documentaries and it makes my producer sense to me. is like nodding her head too. <laughs> right. She's a visual yeah. learner. Right, yeah. So we provide, libraries provide them the different experiences and different ways to help people learn. And then we also have our amazing. Um, staff who are professionally they're not just entertainers doing when you come to a story time at a library it's actually researched it's based on um, how the effective ways of learning and uh, you know repetition and so yeah so I, I think that it would be a loss if libraries do not exist and if they don't continue being funded and you know going back to we saw that during the pandemic yeah and I think 
a lot of things we saw during the pandemic, you know, not just obviously in, in terms of libraries, but many different um, industries. You quickly learn the value of someone um, working behind a cash register mm-hmm. when everything's closed except yes. the grocery store. Yeah. And you know, we, take, we took a lot for granted, I think, before the pandemic, and it was um, a global wake-up call on mm-hmm. priorities, mm-hmm. which is good. And I hope that you know, libraries continue to be um, a priority. So in terms of literacy and, um, and learning, so I'm also the education critic for mm-hmm. British Columbia, or shadow minister, whatever. I kind of like that term shadow minister. <laughs> Sounds pretty badass. Right. But, you know, so we've seen actually um, a, a slight decline in literacy and numeracy skills across um, the board in, in education, which is, of course, uh, concerning. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, so, you know, libraries, obviously, public libraries are places where people can go after hours when you're done school to mm-hmm. go and interact with, um, you know, with your family, with um, additional learning opportunities. What role do you think that the public system can play, if any, in helping us to um, increase literacy skills even um, as kids are progressing through the education system? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's um, interesting that uh, those skills are declining, right? Um, I, I feel that for libraries, we are the only open and accessible institution that is available from the ages of zero to six to all families, uh, where you don't have to pay, right? So we are open in the evenings or open during the weekends and provide the space and provide tuition, teach kids the joy of reading. It's not just about, you know, reading is fundamental, right? So if we don't have that skill, it is, it's going to make it difficult later on in life to um, accomplish or you know get through life so libraries are I believe very important in that that foundational reading skills and that's for early literacy but then we talked about adults as well and um, for adults the same thing right it's being universal we're, we're called the people's university right we're accessible we're open we have access to the resources the tools and then the ability for our staff to also be able to assist. Um, I'm wearing a summer reading club t-shirt at the moment because yeah the summer slide you know it's this documented research that when kids are out of school for two months and they don't read there is a notable decline when they go back to school in September there's time for them to catch up so you know this program is a summer reading club program that libraries have done for as long as I can remember and it's just to make reading fun and enjoyable and uh, so it's little things like that which I think go a long way in terms of preventing some of the issues that can happen in life later when you don't have those foundational skills and libraries offer that to everyone you don't have to pay you know I didn't grow up in a very wealthy um, uh, neighborhood or with many resources so we relied a lot on libraries to help us with those skills couldn't buy books, so the library was able to <laughs> provide that. So, of, of all the sort of, you know, a lot of industries are facing challenges, obviously, um, but, you know, what particularly, is there any kind of challenges that, that libraries, or even specific to Surrey Library, that mm-hmm. you guys are facing, that, you know, myself as an elected official or other politicians, mm-hmm. you know, what is it that we can do to help um, support libraries and keep them viable for the public? 
keep funding us yeah. <laughs> more and more and more. Well, I, I certainly agree with that. Yeah. You know, I've, I've advocated yeah. for more, yeah. uh, for more money. But you know, also, what about like our, the technologies and stuff? Are mm-hmm. are we actually in a position? You know, and I guess it comes back to funding. But are mm-hmm. we in a position to keep up with the latest? Mm-hmm. You know, how libraries are evolving. Yeah, I think you know. Libraries are a reflection, public libraries are a reflection of their community. So in terms of the challenges that we're facing, it's the challenges that you know you allude to that we're all seeing in our society. This sense of disconnection, loneliness, uh, mental health issues, addiction, um, the opioid crisis, inflationary pressures which are affecting everyone's bottom line. So we are seeing that when people are coming into our spaces and using our spaces, even in terms of development. You know, um, condos that are built nowadays are so tiny and we have sometimes multi-generational families and we have international students and there's nowhere for them to go except sometimes to come to a public It's a library. community living room. That's right, that's right. Yeah, a community that's awesome. living room, a hub, the third space, we've been referred to as that for many years and that I'm seeing that more and more since we've come back from the pandemic. On a typical afternoon, I'm based at our city center branch and um, you know, downtown Surrey and on a typical afternoon, there's probably 300 seats. They're all full. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing the um, the number of people that are coming to use the space and the technology. And in terms of uh, support from government, I think it is recognizing that, recognizing the the work that we do to keep society together, to create understanding amongst, you know, someone who's new to a community. A library is probably one of the only places that they can come to and meet others within their community. Again, in a way that's non-judgmental, they'll be exposed to different cultures. Um, and, and yeah, just help them to acclimatize and become it's, it's uh, one of the reasons active community members. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to actually have you here was to talk about that newcomer um, work that the libraries are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we think a lot about, you know, in terms of when we hear that we're having more immigration or that we've received um, and welcomed a number of refugees, especially to Surrey and to British Columbia. We always talk about hospitals, which of course we need mm-hmm. the healthcare to support mm-hmm. these individuals. We need housing to support them. But it goes beyond those kind of physical needs. Yes. There's those emotional yes. and belonging and community needs that I think that libraries can can really fill and you know working I guess with options and sources and a variety of other um, really hardworking um, groups here picks and so many groups that are working within our community in particular to help provide services for people to settle in the community it's just like tremendously important and I'm just so grateful for the work that you guys are doing but you know on a lighter note we have a few minutes left so what's your favorite kind of book oh my gosh you didn't prepare for this question. Um, favorite kind of book. I go through phases, okay. to be honest. What, what's, I, a, what's the I phases go through, at, the, <laughs> at the moment, I'm reading, I'm reading, it's called Slow Horses, and it's a Netflix series as well. So usually I read the book first and then watch the series, but this time it was the other other way around. I, you saw the show and I didn't had, get enough. Yeah, I was at, at the long, during the long weekend, I actually didn't have a book. And I was thinking, oh my God, I feel like I need to read. And so I pulled out my phone and my Libby app and was able to just download a book immediately and didn't have to go to a library. I could just access one online. I read both print and digital, so I'm reading that. But uh, 
yeah, sometimes I'll read, you know, I went through a phase where I was reading a lot of books about leadership and being a good, you know, manager and a good, good, yeah, like doing good work in our community and, and then I like escapism as well. So yeah, I'm, it's, I don't have one genre, to be honest. I, probably most people are like that. You know, I go back and forth from, so I have two favorite types of book to read. I, and this is pretty sick people that know me know is that my first type of favorite book is anything that involves um, some type of misadventure. So, okay. you know, I read a book called The Ice Master and mm-hmm. it's this, the journey of the Carlick, which was a boat that tried to circumnavigate the Northwest Passage and then mm-hmm. befell tragedy and they ended up having to like amputate their own toes and, you know, those kind of right. books and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, or I'll read anything on Everest with people that they're, mm-hmm. they froze their toes and, you know, all this. Mm-hmm. I dig it, right? Or, or things about the Franklin expedition. Right. Especially the ones of the recent discoveries with all the weird pictures of the... Anyway, so I love that. It's mm-hmm. a bit gory, but, you know, love it. And then my other favorite genre is romance. I you love know, especially you... a good book with a good love yes. scene, right? Okay, yeah. I'm, you know, maybe that's... You know what? The producer's laughing again because she knows yes. I'm sick. But I... So I go from... Self-amputated frozen toes and severe frostbite to romance. That, to romance. That's what I love. You know, you actually share that with many people. Romance is, again, one of our very high uh, circulating collection. Lots of people love romance. <laughs> you know what? And I think you're right about the escapism. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes, I guess, especially being a politician, I would say that not every comment on my Twitter is a positive one. Not, I don't feel the love every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when I'm reading those romance books, there's a lot of love there. So mm-hmm. maybe it's a way of healing <laughs> from, this, from yeah. the social media. Yeah. But, you know, um, I also, I really love good audiobooks. So, I mean, that's not really literacy uh, so much because I'm not reading and deciphering and understanding text, but it's more of a listening exercise. Um, but I love the way that even libraries now are providing um, access to books online where you can use your e-reader. Um, I actually do still like that people are listening at least to, to stories and mm-hmm. and having that sort of time just to imagine and visualize and to relax. You yeah. know, a, a good yeah. book can really do that even if you're just listening. Exactly. Audiobooks and streaming, we, you can actually download movies as well. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. So have you ever written a book? Are you No, I have not written a book. <laughs> well, you know, you have a lot to say about libraries. You can actually write a, a book about libraries. People would be surprised or the shenanigans that happen in your well, local public I, library. <laughs> before we got, you know, started recording on the podcast, I mentioned to you that I for years I hadn't visited a library except for in my duties as an RCMP officer. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, especially in the Northwest Territories when I was up there a lot of um, people who were unhoused, mm-hmm. different issues were using the library, and it was very welcoming, and only in the extreme cases would they ever have to, to call us. Mm-hmm. But so I do have a very, I think, good perspective of um, just how welcoming and, and how much community space a library can be, and I've, I've always, uh, it's actually boosted my respect for libraries knowing what an essential service I think they really are in the community. So do you have any other things maybe about anything you want people to know about the library here in Surrey, our library system, our locations that I maybe haven't asked you about? Well, I would encourage anyone who doesn't have a library card to go to their local library and get a card. And especially if you haven't visited a library since, you know, for many years, we do find that there's a cycle. You know, people use it when they're young, they use it when they're um, 
when they have kids, but then there is a gap, a time in life when they when they aren't. So if you haven't used a library, come and get a card. It's free, and you'd be amazed at. Uh, just the amount of resources that you'd be introduced to. We have author readings, you know, there's Climate Week coming up, um, there's Newcomers Week coming up, and there's an array of uh, programming that is uh, accessible and free. It might introduce you to an, a new idea or a new uh, perspective that you hadn't thought of before. That's what I love. You're always introduced to something new, something different. It just keeps your mind fresh and learning. and. Well, your so love important. of libraries is actually, I feel it's very contagious, so I hope that uh, people will will take you up on that um, invitation to visit a library near them. Um, and, you know, with that, I, I just want to thank you for being a part of our podcast today. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to, to visit the library again soon. And if you have an idea for Outside the Chamber, feel free to send me an email at eleanor.sterko.mla.com at leg.bc.ca. Until next time, 